X. We got to talk about the Colts and his tie. What the hell is going on with his tie? Just spent 15 minutes screaming about it. Let's, I, I want to hear you scream about it. Activate yourself as callers. And uh, off we go. Let me do something first. And uh, there we go. Had to tweet that we're doing the room. Because I want as many people on here yelling about this game as possible. You know what? This is a game absolutely the Indianapolis Colts should have won. They did not. They should have, like I said. And and because they didn't, nobody should be happy about this. Let's go right to the calls and go to Gary. Uh, Gary, how you doing this afternoon? You can't be happy. If you are happy with this, uh, I'm going to yell at you. How you doing, Gary? <laughs> um, I'm not doing so well, Ken. Can you hear me? I can. Uh, yeah, um, my son pointed out one thing to me. I think it was early in the game, and he said, and still stands by it, that the moment that Alec Pierce had dropped that ball uh, to score a touchdown, he said that's when the whole momentum changed in the game. Right there. I, and and I, I, think think it, I think it did, and I think Frank Reich should have been aware of that and that Reich should have kicked the field goal as a result and gone up six points and decided, you know what, we're going to get something out of this possession instead of nothing. And and then he went clever and ran the direct snap to Naheem Hines, which was a disaster. I agree with your son. Yeah, and it just seemed like, you know, a lot of, you know, mental, mental errors as far as penalties. It seemed like, you know, we couldn't get any calls to go our way. I, I, I might be one of the few people that might give this team the benefit of the doubt just because – New defensive coordinator, new, you know, uh, uh, teammates, uh, both on the defense and on the offense. They're all trying to gel together. So I was trying to keep my expectations low, but I just kind of felt like with the momentum, that play right there, it just seemed like it changed everything. And then, of course, Houston, they get a couple good calls, they get a couple breaks, the momentum shifts, it goes in their way. Obviously, uh, you know, Rodrigo Blankenship is starting to make me feel like Vinatieri's last year in the league with his misses. I mean, but Vinatieri had his illustrious career already behind him. He had nothing else to prove. Yeah. You know, I kind of gave uh, Vinatieri, you know, a free pass on this. With Blankenship, this is different. I mean, this is critical. Now yeah. we're tied. You know, uh, we get a tie. We get a zero zero one start off to the regular season, which might have major implications at the end of the season. And I'm I done. appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. Andrew, you're up. What do you think? What do you think of Blankenship? What do you think of Matt Ryan being incapable of taking a snap? Well, I wasn't impressed with much today, but I have a question for you. Am I crazy or does it seem like, Frank has an aversion to running the ball in certain situations. Like he just, it seems obvious to give the ball to the best running back in the league. And then three, four times in a row, he'll try to be uh, creative and throw the ball into the end zone when you just need to run it four or five yards. You know, I it, it, Taylor ran the ball 31 times. So I've got no gripe with the total volume of carries for Taylor, but I really disagreed with that fourth and goal call where you go direct snap to Naheem Hines. You've got the best running back in football. you got the highest paid left guard in football, so I assume that he's the best left guard in football. And, and you go gadget play against the worst team in the NFL. 
I don't understand it. If you don't want to take the field goal, fine. But put the ball in the hands of your best player behind your highest paid player. I think that's the least that we can expect and, and the least that Frank Wright can do as he looks at an opportunity to score points again against the worst team in the NFL. I agree. Yeah, he ran it 31 times, but sometimes it feels like he doesn't do it until, okay, now I, I have to run it because yeah. what else is working. Down 20 to 3, they got smart and they got hard and they got good. Let's go to another Gary. Gary, how you doing this afternoon? Well, frustrated like everybody else. Yeah. It was, uh, once again, though, Matt Ryan not being able to handle the ball from center. And also the Jerry Hughes effect again. Yeah. Well, what happens when that guy plays us? Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. I'll tell you what. I, I don't know where Kelvin Shepard is. That's the guy that the Colts got in return for the trade that sent Jerry Hughes to Buffalo. But I sure as hell know every time Jerry Hughes plays against the Colts, I know where he's at. You know what I mean? Like Jerry Hughes changed this game at the age of 34, former first-round pick of the Colts. Jerry Hughes is a Hall of Famer against the Colts. He's not that great against everybody else, but my God almighty. Uh, I think Grigson made that trade, and shame on him for doing it. The first rounder from 2010 just took a couple of years to get going, and Grigson wanted no part of him. The The specter of Ryan Grigson continues on this afternoon to haunt the franchise of the Indianapolis Colts. Absolutely. they got to get the kicking game solved, and Brian's got to handle the ball from center. Yep, absolutely true. Let's go to Fulton. How you doing this afternoon, Fulton? Make sure to un- unmute yourself. How you doing? I'm doing good, although I'm incredibly frustrated. I-, I feel like maybe I'm a little bit too frustrated, given that the Colts are still undefeated, kind of. But uh, I thought there was a lot that went wrong today, and I thought Frank Reich was a big part of it. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking, because – we really need to win this game because the Colts need to uh, win it so they don't have to make mistakes. And that's the whole reason um, yep. that they need, to, um, they need to make better plans and they need to make better changes for Matt Ryan and uh, yeah, the exchanges from center went all went all screwy. Thank you very much for the call, Fulton. I appreciate it. Uh, let's go to James. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing good, sir. I didn't get to watch the game. I oh. live in Gulfport. Uh, we've spoken about uh, together about Blankenship before. I never have trusted him. What do you think is going to happen now? I think he gets cut. I hope like so. it, you can't you you can't do what the Colts did come back from the dead, 17 down in the fourth quarter, put it on his foot in overtime from a makeable distance and have him shank it to the right and and have him kick the ball out of bounds on kickoffs twice. You, you can't have that level of malfeasance from your kicker. And I get really frustrated. I mean, Chris Ballard kind of walks around acting like he's done nothing but hang banners for the Colts. And he's got a wide receiver room that's got big problems, minus Michael Pittman. And he's got a kicker who can't make big kicks. Those are two things that you must address. And the kicker situation really isn't that difficult to address. However, Ballard seems to invest faith in players where where faith really doesn't do you a hell of a lot of good in a game of football. 
Yes, sir. I thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thank you. I, I, I'm i sorry. I kind of went off in the middle of your call. I wanted to know what you thought. Let's go to Mac. How are you, Mac, on this uh, beautiful Sunday, I suppose? Make sure and unmute yourself. Oh, sorry. There you go. Yeah, I'm here. I, I, I'll tell you what, Ken, I don't know if I deserve or need a milkshake after something like that. Um, <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I'm up here in Chicago to too. Ties, in the right? ties, <laughs> ties are uh, ties, I don't know whether it's milkshake territory with ties. Maybe it is. Maybe it didn't. We'll figure it out after the show. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to make a comment, and this is more on Reich's play calling. I don't know. It was a small detail in that overtime, but they came out of a first down, and and Jonathan Taylor came off the sideline in gun formation. You run it. And it's just, it seemed like the most scripted thing I've ever seen. And I'm, I'm over here. Like, I'm not an NFL play caller, but I knew that ball was going to Jonathan Taylor. And it was, a, you know, tackled in the backfield for three yards. I'm just pulling my hair out over here. Yeah, I, I, there, and, and granted, you know, the Texans are on scholarship too. But this offense, given the number of weapons it's got and the offensive line that it operates behind, they ought to be able to function effectively against the Houston Texans. And, and that they, di- they dug into Wright's kind of bag of tricks and went direct snap to Naheem Hines, uh, fourth and goal from the two, I, I thought was absolute uh, malfeasance by Frank Reich. If you don't want the three, I get it. But if, if, you're, if you've got the best running back in the game and you've got the highest paid left guard, how about we use those guys? And try to get the two yards you need to get, and and they didn't. What'd you think? What'd you think of Quitty paying the overtime? Oh, I thought. I, I mean, I can definitely see a better burst off of his off his steps. I don't know what it is. I mean, earlier on he was kind of shaky. I think Davis Mills ran out, and he had a yeah. hard time uh, chasing him down, uh, which I'll give him, uh, Davis Mills some credit for. But no, Quitty looks a lot stronger. He looks he looks better off his first step. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I see some promise with him. All right, thanks for the call. I appreciate Thank it. You. Let's go to Isaiah. Uh, by the way, Pay today, in the overtime, in that 10-minute overtime, had 50% the number of sacks he had through the entire 2021 season. He had four in the regular season last year, and the regular season was the only season for the Colts. He had two today in overtime. How you doing, Isaiah? Hey there, Kent. Yeah, I really feel like Quiddy has made some <clears throat> significant jumps. I understand it's the Texans, but he already looks better than he did last year. Early on, he really looked like he was getting having some trouble getting around a single tackle. But you're right. Later on in the game, he really seemed to figure it out, and I'm hoping we see some uh, better trajectory with him going on. But I really can't help but feel like the lack of urgency and the lack of understanding how significant the game is comes down to the culture of the Colts. And that's why I think a lot of this comes down to Frank Reich. I mean, I worry that a lot of these yeah. guys worry, a lot of these guys don't see the significance of the game or they get overwhelmed by the moment. I mean, Matt missing three snaps. I mean, from a veteran, that's really unexpected for me. I mean, I can't help but feel like a lot of this is sort of the moment. Oh, Colts haven't won an opener. You know, division games matter so much. Why are the guys dropping balls? Why is Matt dropping balls? I don't know what what Frank is doing early on, but something is getting in these guys' heads, and I'm just not sure what's going on. What do you think, Kent? Yeah, I I I think that Frank Reich is kind of revealing himself 
to be in in need. I think he needs validation for his intellect, maybe as much as he needs to win. Like against a team like the Texans, where you have a talent advantage at virtually every level, all you really need to do is play harder than them, and you're going to win the game. So play hard, execute well, and knock people on their ass. That's football to me. And what Frank Reich tries to do is get really clever and and have some fun with a you know like the gadget play to to Hines and that kind of thing. And and I'm tired of it. I just want smash mouth football. This team is good enough to win, knocking people down and running over the top of them. And Frank Reich is it seems to be the only guy who doesn't seem to know it. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I totally right, let's agree. Go to, uh, let's go to David. How you doing this afternoon, David? Make sure and unmute yourself. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we're all good. Hey, um, I don't understand, man. How come they don't throw a corner pass to Michael Stratton? He's six foot tall at 230-some pounds. I don't understand why we're not doing more of this like normal football. Why are we – what's up with the Wildcat formation, guys? Come on, man. It's I follow it all year round. I DM you all the time, and I just I feel like I'm wasting my time with the Colts. I know I'm behind them 110, percent but what the hell? Yeah, I, I there are a lot of things I don't get. Uh, Michael Strahan today, three catches, 37 yards. Um, no, wait, two catches, 36 yards. Certainly a guy who's got talent, he's got range, and he's long, and he's all of that stuff. And the Colts keep talking about how good he is. But he wasn't active last year for a significant portion of the season. There's a reason for that. There's a reason they don't throw him the ball in high-leverage situations, too. And I don't know what that is. It's a good question, though. Hey, I got one more thing for you. What does Jim Irsay do now? I don't know. He's going to be steaming on the plane ride home. And he doesn't ride with the team. He flies in his own plane. And and there might just be another meeting tonight like there was after that Jacksonville game. You know, this is a team where Jim Irsay tries to speak his hopes into fact. And you heard some of that on Friday night at Lucas Oil Stadium. And that's not what you do. That's not how you win championships. You win championships by investing in the right people in the right situations. And, and I seriously question whether Frank Reich is that guy. Given the way they played against Jacksonville, given the way they played today, given the way they played against the Raiders, the last three games this team's played, they've looked overmatched against teams that should be quite subordinate to the Indianapolis Colts, and that's a problem. Huh? It's embarrassing as a Colts fan. Yeah, it's not good, and and so I'm – and I know they're not going to let Wright go during the season. Jim Irsay knows that that almost never – bears fruit, but you do have some low, low hanging fruit on your own staff in John Fox. And, you know, why is he here? Why is he a senior, you know, defensive assistant? If not to maybe be that guy who steps into the breach, I don't know why, but Frank Reich looks like he is overmatched in the position. The team plays as though he's overmatched. And, and he continues to try to sell us a bill of goods as to, you know, how well the team's preparing and blah, blah, blah. And I know that a coach isn't going to say, look, I, we suck. We're just terrible. Our preparation has been horseshit. It, it, coaches aren't going to say that to the media. But, uh, but to tell us throughout camp that everything is, is right on schedule, we're in great shape, 
And then to have your quarterback screw up three different snaps during a game, to have not the right number of players on the field for a field goal attempt, I mean, what the hell, what I's are being dotted and what T's are being crossed? I, I'm at a loss to explain it. I feel like I'm watching Notre Dame last night. It's unbelievable. <laughs> or Indiana in the first that. half last night. Let's go to Paul. Paul, how you doing? It's been a terrible weekend of football, except for Purdue fans. Purdue got over on Indiana State last night, but even that was Indiana on Indiana crime. The Hoosiers were awful last night in Bloomington, especially in the first half. And and uh, Notre Dame getting beat by Marshall. Then the Colts for this tie, it's just awful. How, how are you getting through it, Paul? Uh, with a lot of Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> never, never mind milkshakes. But um, anyways, uh, top of the list, Blankenship needs to go. There's nowhere to go but up from him. He will. He, he cranked one today. He'll do it again. Uh, you know, and, and what bothers to me too, and, Paul, are, are the two kickoffs that went out of bounds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Field position, you know, I mean, it don't help the Texans. Make them, make them do it themselves. You give them 15 yards free right off the top, you're going to have a problem. But I, I'll, and I'll say this too. God help if Reich loses, if they lose next week at Jacksonville, I, yeah. I don't know about that firing the coach in the middle of the year. Because right now, Ken, it's starting to rem- remind me of that movie, 12 O'Clock High, where nobody feared for their jobs, you know? Yeah. They were too close. I don't know what it is. I like the culture, but, you know, no, I and I don't know what Reich's doing behind closed doors. But I know he's, you know, he'll use the word stink and, and if he's in a really bad mood. You know, and, you know, I, I, I don't think cussing a guy out is going to necessarily do it. But all I know is the culture is so friendly that it's like, they, oh, well, we'll shrug our shoulders one at a time, one percent better and this and that. And then, you, like you said, the two MIT guys up there in the booth doing who knows what, looking at this or that. And it, I, you know. I don't know. It, today, a lot of stuff just was disappointing. Um, we we should have rolled these guys, you know. Paul, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Okay. I think you brought up something really, really important, and that's that this is a really friendly organization, and they don't fire people. And there is a great way, and I've been taught this by a series of managers and and really never had to do it myself so i can't say that i'm a proponent of the action because i've never i've never actually done it but you know it, it, uh, one great way to get people to work a little bit harder is firing someone who doesn't and and the colts don't seem to do that you know they and and i don't i hate to bring up a guy specifically but ben Banigou, how is he still on this roster i don't understand what's going on i know he's a second round pick but the guy can't get off a block. He's never going to help you win a football game. And still, there he is playing on this roster. There's Blankenship. You know that the team doesn't believe in him because they didn't bring him back over Verity after Blankenship got healthy last year. So what I, What are we doing? How about some urgency from upper management in saying, you know what, this crap is not going to stand and making that trade that sent Carson Wentz out to Washington? You know what? There's a little urgency in that. 
But handing Quentin Nelson $20 million a year when I don't even know how you determine who the best guard in the NFL is or what the reward is for having one. Uh, I don't get that. It's not like this is a Super Bowl championship team. Gary, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm good, boss. I would like to also point out one thing. I don't know if anybody else was paying attention to the Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game, but it was very similar to us. It was 2020 overtime. Now, let me let me bring up Boswell, the kicker for uh, Pittsburgh, and why he still has a job, all right? Even though he had had a really rough game, he had missed some field goals. When it came to clutch... The moment of victory from 53 yards, he sinks it. And guess what? All the problems that he had from those missed kicks before in the game, just like what you all have just been discussing, Blankenship had those kicks where they went out of bounds. All right? He made some mental errors. But the difference, what was just point example was, there's a reason why Boswell still has his job, and that's because he kicked the winning field goal. And guess what? All the problems that he had before – disappear because this is the nfl what wins the games is what matters most i love it gary you're exactly right and by the way uh it bears mention that ivan the idol picked that game correctly as well as the bears game correctly and i think he missed the colts i think that he took the colts and gave the points which was uh patently stupid as it turned out uh let's go to uh let's go to brad brad make sure that you're unmuted and uh, how you doing this afternoon? Brad, you there? Uh, uh, nope, Brad left. So uh, let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah, how you doing? Hey, how's it going, Kent? Uh, yeah, I'm actually good. watching. The, I'm great. I'm actually watching the, uh, the Vikings-Green Bay game, and the Vikings just got to stop at the goal line. Uh, so they're up 7 nothing, and I really think the Vikings are going to take over that division. I'm really excited to see how they do against Green Bay. But but really, I want to focus on uh, the receiving core. And I know that there's a lot of that, you know, early on. We have a young receiving core. Pitt is the veteran. And I understand, you know, being being only in the year, only in the only in on the team for a couple of years. But I can't help when I look at the drops of that receiving core to think back, I know this is going to sound really ridiculous, but Reggie Wayne had an interview uh, a couple weeks ago where he talked about the, re- the receivers, and he said, you know, in his time with Peyton, if he felt like there wasn't a, a connection, he was working overtime, he was yep. staying after practice, he was making sure it was figured out, and he kind of laughed it off that the younger guys are going home and playing Madden, and I'm a, I'm a pretty young guy. But I, I just that stuck in my brain, and I, I can't help but feel like, man, you know, a couple drops, and I'm thinking, you know, Reggie Wayne, a guy who clearly knows his stuff, and a guy who clearly knows what it means to be successful in this league, is talking about the guys going home and playing video games and not maybe working overtime. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that may be a contributor or what? You know, I, I'll tell you a story about Reggie Wayne. I was standing right next to Reggie when he said that stuff. And one of the things that I always noticed when they were training up in Anderson uh, and Reggie was in the twilight of his career in 2013 and then 2014, he would come over to the jugs machine uh, and take balls and he would take them one handed. He'd take them right next to his ear, right handed, then left, then at his hip, right handed, then left, 10 at each and then down by his knees right-handed, then left. So he's taken 60 balls at the end of every practice. 
And the rookies, whether they're undrafted free agents or whether they're, uh, you know, draftees, I'm trying to think like Dante Moncrief might have been one of those guys. These guys are walking past Reggie and they're looking at him like, is this old man psychotic? You know, Mm -hmm. what is he doing? This guy's going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And here he is after practice taking all of these balls off the jugs machine. I got to get in the cold tub, the ice tub. And I got to get upstairs and play video games or whatever they were thinking. But they looked at him like he was clinically insane. And that's how you get to the Hall of Fame. It's how you win a championship. And that these guys don't understand that. And and I wonder whether Mike Strawn is one of those guys because he was inactive for so many games last year and he was healthy. And he's got all the all the criteria, all the boxes are checked for him to be a really, really good wide receiver in the NFL. And he doesn't play so much. He played today. He was okay with two catches, 36 yards, but not used nearly to, I think, his his, skill set. And you've really got Pittman. And you've got Pierce, who was targeted twice. Uh, One of the drops you could kind of understand. The other was right there in his hands for a touchdown. Would have won the game if everything went the way that it went throughout the game. Uh, you know, this is Ashton Doolin with a drop, you know, Paris Campbell, three catches, 37 yards. I know it's one game out of 17, but uh, do these guys impress you as a wide receiver group? That's really going to be a strength of the ball club. Well, well, like I said, you know, with the drops, you know, (laughs) if you're not on time with Matt, that's one thing, but (laughs) drops, you know, I can't help but my brain go back to what Reggie Wayne said a month ago. And yeah. I'm probably over exaggerating. It's a game, but how do you not go back to that with drops? You know, so well, and and you know what? And I get what people have been saying about Matt Ryan throughout the preseason about how you know he's such a tactician and he's so specific in his guidance to the receivers and you know what a leader and and these receivers are really going to benefit from his ability to communicate and and get them to do the right things. How about taking a snap clean? You know, how about work on that? The simplest aspect of being a quarterback, and two of them were from under center. One was a shotgun snap where Ryan looked away rather than receive it, you know, kind of got ahead of himself. But what is this guy doing? How does a a quarterback 14 years in the NFL, how can he be responsible for four fumbles and a pick? Like, (laughs) take care of your own stuff, for God's sake, and stop telling people how to do their jobs. I didn't know any better. I would think he was a young guy who didn't, who was flustered yeah. by the moment. But he's hell. He's been in a Super Bowl. So what's the excuse? I, I I don't get it. I don't get it. I appreciate it, Isaiah. Thank you for the call as always, uh, Isaiah, and uh, everybody who who's called. Thank you very much. We got a few minutes left. If you've got a comment, uh, I, I would assume you're frustrated if you're a Colts fan about this tie today, and and I'm afraid. And, and it's justified in, in many ways. You know, it, Rodrigo Blankenship is going to bear the brunt of the guilt or of the brunt of the blame for this tie, and, and kind of rightly so. But Matt Ryan is not without blame. Alec Pierce is not without blame. I think two guys you can look at and say, or three, Quiddy Pay, Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, you can look at and say, you know what, pretty damn good. All right, uh, let's go to Nilt. How are you, Nilt? How are you doing this afternoon? Make sure to unmute yourself. 
Nild, are you there? All right. Let's, uh, there he is. How you doing? Hey, Ken, how are you? I'm good, good. How are you? What are you feeling? Blankenship has to go. He shouldn't yeah. even get on the plane to go home. Yeah, I, 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 I'm reminded, and, and it was a really cool Saturday Night Live skit back in the day. Uh, the long ride home, the Josh Brown story after Josh Brown had a tough day kicking for the New York Giants. Um, it, that made me laugh how kickers are pariahs when they miss and heroes when they make. And they're, you know, they, ultimately to blame for a kick going wide or going through. And that's that's the lot in life for this these guys. And, and Blankenship is not going to feel good tonight understanding that there's a real possibility that tomorrow's his last day as an Indianapolis Colt. Before he even kicked it, I had a feeling he was going to miss it. And I hate having this feeling. But whenever it's, he's up there, I always get yeah, he does not inspire com- confidence. I I give you that for sure. How you doing, Mac? How you doing this afternoon? Make sure and unmute yourself. There you go. Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing well. I, I mean, a uh, uh, tie in the loss, right? Not yeah. a win, but it's not a loss. Well, it was so frustrating watching that game because it just brought back really the feeling I had of the Jacksonville game. Yeah, and. All, and, and you have a preseason, you have all that time off, you have three preseason games, and I know they're not exactly full squad scrimmages, but flat attitudes, fundamental mistakes, um, lack of, uh, of, of drive and desire and energy. And I know Darius slash Shaq Leonard wasn't in the game. He's a big uh, part of their, their, their emotional approach, but extremely disappointing and for – I'm, I'm almost 60 years old, played the game, uh, watched the Colts from the start. That's on the coaching staff right there. I think That's so. Plain and simple on the coaching staff. I, I, I think so. I don't know what you do about it, but I think at some point you've got to look at Frank Reich as the author of these repeated stories of um, kind of, uh, uh, you know, when, it, when I was a student, people said, uh, you know, Kent has a uh, has has a problem with with effort. You know, and I I think that you look in, in preparation, and and I think you look at the Colts, and you see that whatever preparation is being done, and I'm sure it's being done through long hours and done in earnest, it's not causing the the intended result. Yeah, agreed. It's ironic. Both the uh, Colts and the Texans game, and the Steelers and the Bengals go to OT. And you look at yeah. the organization, and they hung on and they won that game with, with, with a brand new quarterback. Granted, a veteran quarterback. I never thought the Bears gave Trubisky. We left up in Chicago, gave him a whole lot of opportunity to succeed. But that's that's a that's a program, a a, a franchise that, that that pulls it out at the end. Yeah, and we had a chance to pull it out and didn't. So you know, it's pretty easy to compare. I appreciate it, Mac, and I I agree with you about Trubisky. He won 12 games back in, what, 17 or 18. So he's a guy who can play winning football. And and the Bears, just through their mismanagement of him, caused him to digress and digress and digress. And an organization like the Steelers, I think, is really a place where he can flourish. Yeah. good, good, Good to vent. We need to do it after a frustration like that. 
Yeah, we do. I think I'm going to go get a milkshake. I, I appreciate I appreciate the call, and I appreciate the calls from everyone. Uh, really good show. Obviously, a lot of people with a lot of reasons to vent. The Colts really didn't start playing football. They played really well the first two drives on both sides of the ball, and then in the fourth quarter, they played really well, like there was some urgency. But this is – I think teams are reflections of their coaches, and when have you seen Frank Reich be urgent? I have not. And and this this team requires and in this league and in this game require urgency. And I don't think Frank Reich brings it. And that is going to be his undoing, I think, at some point. Not this regular season. I think he makes it through because Jim Ursay saw his dad fire coaches in the middle of the season, and it really never paid dividends, and it almost never does. And, and so I don't think they're going to go there, despite the fact that they got two capable guys already on the staff and John Fox and, uh, and Gus Bradley. So, But thank you for joining me. Join me tomorrow morning, Breakfast with Kent, bright and early, about 7 o'clock on my YouTube channel. Then in the afternoon, about 4 in the afternoon, we get going on Inside Indiana Sports Now with Kent Sterling. Love talking to you. Thanks so much. Have a great day. And it's a, you know what? It, it's not too terrible. It's going to be okay. A tie and a loss. So, you know, let's not get too down on all this.